Welcome to the Kenza Pod. Kenza Collective is a platform dedicated to educating, inspiring, and empowering parents who work for themselves. Check out kenzacollective.com to learn more about our mission and to find resources to help you on your journey. Together, let's reinvent what it means to be a working parent. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the founder and CEO of Kenza. Each week on the podcast, you can join me and our CFO, Beth Gummery, as we help you navigate the tricky business of working for yourself while also raising a family. We're honored to have you here with us. Let's get started. I have the ability to make money no matter what I do, no matter where I go. Um, And so that's actually a greater form of security for me than even a full-time job. Welcome to another episode of our So Ya Wanna Be Ya. So Ya Wanna Be Ya. So Ya Wanna Be Ya. Oh, nice. So Ooh, that sounds better. <laughs> sounds way better. Ours is like all nasty. All right. So welcome to another episode of our So Ya Wanna Be Ya podcast series where we explore how other parents out there are making the entrepreneur life work for their families. On today's episode, we are talking to Teresa Ruiz Decker, owner of Dream Catch Consulting, a marketing and communications collective, another collective, for nonprofits and social good organizations. Teresa is an incredibly skilled communications strategist, content writer, and project manager. Uh, together with a group of talented graphic designers, content creators, and digital ad experts, she creates successful marketing content and campaigns to support social justice. Isn't that awesome? In 2017, Teresa was unexpectedly laid off from her job as the communications manager for a large nonprofit in California. At that point, she found herself staring down a fork in the road. She had a decision to make. She either needed to go out and find a new job or she needed to take the plunge into entrepreneurship. At that time, about three years ago, her girls were four years old and three months old, which meant there was a lot riding on this decision. Well, spoiler alert, not only did she decide to take that plunge, but she has been killing it for three years now and has no plans on ever going back to the mainstream workforce as long as she can help it. We invited her to the podcast because we think that her story will really resonate with you and will serve as inspiration for those of you who are curious about what it's like to run a marketing communications consulting business. I can imagine that some of you out there might be staring down a similar fork in the road and wondering if the entrepreneur life might be right for you. So our hope with this episode and all episodes of the So You Want to Be a series, which you can find all of them on our website, kenzacollective.com, or subscribe to the Kenza pod uh, wherever you listen, and these pop up every couple of weeks. Um, and so the, our hope with this episode is to hear from real parents just like you who are making this work. We're going to discuss... Um, their journey, what their day-to-day looks like, and um, how the pandemic has affected the business, and just kind of wrap up with any words of wisdom um, that Teresa has if you're considering a similar path. So that's enough out of me. Welcome to the Kenza Pod, Teresa. Hey, thank you for having me. It's so exciting. I love hearing all this. We also have the lovely Beth Gummery, Kenza CFO and co-host of the Hostess of the Kenza pod. Do we still say that host or hostess? Or are we just going with host? I don't know. 
we go with host. I think we go with host now because we're trying to be gender neutral about all of this. Okay, got it. All right. So I'll accept going- either. I'll accept it either way because I am older. <laughs> <laughs> the Madame co-host of the Kenza Pod here with us. Hey, thanks, Tiffany. Hey, and nice to see you, Teresa. And I'm really glad that we're uh, getting to talk to you today because this is this is a, uh, a an excellent topic. I've known many. Uh, marketing freelancers through the years, probably not as talented as you, but um, anyway, it's, it's great to hear from you. So welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, let's start by just kind of briefly having you tell us what kind of business you have and what services you provide. And then we will um, kind of backtrack from there and understand how you got into this and kind of what your day to day is like. So what do you do, Teresa? What do I do all day? Uh, Mostly what I do is help nonprofits and social good organizations with their marketing and communications. And what that actually looks like is me either creating a great plan for them and looking at some areas where they can improve um, or also take advantage of things in communications and marketing a little bit more to reach diverse audiences. Or I can also be really a writer for them. I've written everything from white papers to blog content. Um, to emails um, and everything sort of in between because I'm a writer by trade. So that's a lot of what I do as well. And then the last part is the project management aspect. So if a client comes to us and says, hey, we really love your writing, but we actually need our whole website to be redone, um, I reach out to a very, um, very, very talented group uh, of females that happen to be all females. It's sort of a powerhouse. And we basically will help them with their website, whether it's graphic design or even looking data. We sort of just help get folks to the finish line and and really um, have a stronger communications and marketing presence. Okay, so when did you start thinking about starting your own business? And what were some of your fears? Why didn't you kind of take the full plunge sooner? I think I always knew that I was going to start my own business one day, especially after I started freelancing. And that whole journey didn't actually begin until I was trying to pay off my student loans. So I was fresh out of college and doing okay. um, But I realized that my just student loans were just very, very difficult to manage. And then when I went back for my master's degree, Uh, that debt grew even larger to about $60,000. So um, freelancing ended up being one way for me to really put extra payments towards my student loans. And once I started doing that, I knew, boy, I could probably run my own business doing this. I just need to figure out what the right time was. Um, And that wasn't really clear. I think a lot of people get to that point where they say, gosh, you know, I, I could do this. I just don't know when and I don't really know how. And for me, it was really just doing the research, you know, and really starting to see what other entrepreneurs did. And then when the opportunity presented itself, that's when I really went for it. But it didn't feel like the right time um, because I was afraid to lose the security of a full-time job. One thing that was really interesting, um, sort of reflecting back, was that whole entire thought and concept of security with a full-time job and what that really means over the last... I don't know how many years, both my husband and I have been laid off a total of four times. And so um, to me, it was really, really fascinating to understand what does security look like for me? And really what that looks like now is knowing that I have the ability to make money no matter what I do, no matter where I go. Um, And so that's actually a greater form of security for me than even a full-time job. 
what were you thinking when you were actually able to finally take that leap of faith back in 2017 and choose the path of entrepreneurship? Uh, I was literally thinking I'm either going to do this um, or uh, it's kind of like do or die. I guess for me, that's the way it was. I gave myself a three month window because I had two young children. So I said, if I can't make the equivalent of my income that I used to at my full-time job in three months, then I'm going to go ahead and shelf this. And I'm not going to um, worry about it anymore because I gave it my all. But really during that time, my mental state was, you know, I really need to come out swinging and kicking ass for this sort of, um, yeah, for this sort of thing to be successful because I just had so much writing on it at the time. How, I, I mean, how did you, how did you um, deal with possible fears or possible, uh, it sounds like you just sort of like came on out and didn't even think about the downside. Is that, is that accurate? I mean, it, it just sounds like you were so brave and so courageous at that time and just kind of said, let's do it. And is that kind of where you were? I think my husband um, is a, a person who really craves stability. And so because of that, I had already been reflecting on the downside of entrepreneurship for a long time. Um, and I had already been studying like podcasts, like being boss and just sort of following a lot of different um, thought leaders in the space. And so I had a, a pretty good idea of um, a lot of the sort of like um, challenges that were going to come with it, not to the extent because it's always different for your journey. But I, I did have a sense of that. I think I read a really good book, How to Be a Badass by Jen Sincero. And that really sort of shifted my view of fear and the way to approach fear. Um, she says something really important that I still think about today, which is that worry is almost like you meditating on the thing that you don't want to have. Um, and if you're good at worrying, then, you know, that is actually something that's a good sign because all you have to do is shift that energy into focusing on the thing that you do want and really making that a positive sort of way to channel that energy. And so that stuck with me. And I started to really just say, hey, I'm either going to do this or not, and I'm going to make it happen. I love that, Teresa. I actually um, had a similar sort of experience where I don't even remember where I heard this, but it was it was just this really quick, I think it was maybe on TikTok, don't judge me. And it was this really <laughs> quick little like <laughs> thing where someone was like, what if instead of planning for all of the worst case scenarios, we set, spent that time and energy planning for the best case scenarios? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, what if we did do that? What if instead of, okay, worst case scenario, I can't get any clients, I can't, make a living off of this and I have to go find a job. It's like, okay, you can plan for that. And of course, think about it, but let's think about and plan for and move towards the best case scenario, which is you do make this work and it is very fulfilling and you do get to have that flexible lifestyle that you need. So anyway, I, I love that, that line of thinking there. I, I do too. And you know, I, I think, um, when you do your research, like I had even interviewed a bunch of entrepreneurs in the same space. Um, shout out to Kate Rose and to also Kat Johnson because they were so gracious and gave me their time. And I think that's a really good thing that people can do is do informational interviews with other entrepreneurs and just sort of be like, hey, how are you doing this? Um, now, it really wasn't until like a year and a half later after those interviews that anything happened. But I do think when you do a lot of that footwork, it puts you in a better headspace. Um, and you sort of just realize like, Hey, I just need to put every ounce of my energy into this that I can. 
Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I'm actually taking notes of some of your little, your recommendations, kind of some of these baby steps you were taking before you took the full leap um, that I'll include in the show notes for people. So if you have any other books or anything else you recommend um, people do, let's just continue to throw those out there and um, we'll share that with everybody. Let's talk about the moment, you know, I think it, I, I don't, I think I remember that it's August, 2017, right? Was your sort of anniversary? Is that is the dream catch anniversary? Oh, I love that. So, how did you find this? Is such a common question. How, you know, how did you find your first client and how did you continue to find clients? Something that I did that I think everyone should do um, is I just told people I was looking for clients. I sent an email to everybody in my network and I was shameless. I think there was a certain degree of like embarrassment, like, oh my gosh, I hate to bother people. And I, I, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm like sort of just like obnoxious or whatever. And I don't know what I read where that basically said, get over yourself. You need work. Um, And I hit send on that email. And anytime that I talked to other colleagues and other people that were like, how are you doing? I was honest. And I said, Hey, just got laid off and actually I'm trying to launch my own thing if you know anybody who needs communications and marketing please you know let them know that I am available or give them my website and so again because I had my website for so many years as a freelancer that was not a hard transition um, I think some of the harder transitions were figuring out the operations side of my small business exactly like how to hone in on services what does my billing look like? And all the other things around contracting. But in terms of like going out and finding new clients, really just telling people that you are available for this thing, I think can make all the difference in the world. And because I had told somebody I was interested, one of my really good friends, again, Kate Rose, was actually moving out of the area. And so she offered me as a resource to some of her clients who really like to work locally and she passed those names along to me and I reached out to them and they reached out to me. So essentially I really credit another entrepreneur, Kate Rose, for giving back, you know, the way that she did and really that whole mentality of there's enough for us all. Absolutely. Um, And on that topic, are you making a good living doing this now after three years? I I feel like I am. I think in California, we live in a very expensive state. (laughs) And so that's always a challenge. But for me, I'm really proud of where we're at. I don't have a problem discussing numbers at all. I think that's really helpful for entrepreneurs. One of the things that I figured out was it was really important for me to set different goals and to keep pushing myself. Um, I used to do sort of like monthly, quarterly goals. Now I'm in a really good rhythm um, and I have different types of goals about numbers of clients and maybe what I want to do with anchor clients. But essentially, you know, like last year I pulled in over a hundred thousand dollars and you have to pay. Let's just celebrate that for a second. Yay. That was so much of a mental effort though. in telling myself I could really do this. You know, and I also know that we have to pay a ton in taxes. So what we take home is pretty different, but I really make that as my minimum goal for every year. I need to hit that 100K mark and I design sort of my packages and my client load and everything else around this. But that has taken like the three years in this sort of space to really understand my value, um, how I 
sort of position myself and then the types of clients that I really want to work with because I'm very interested in the social good space. But, you know, finding the right client is very important to me as well. Yeah, I, I find that too, uh, actually, as a, as a self-employed person is like, you just have to be really careful because you can end up with, with just energy vampires, you know, and it's not a good use of your time. And then you can have these other lovely people that pay you well and respect you and appreciate you. And so being choosy about clients is, is another, and, and the work that you take too yeah. is another important thing I've found. Um, so on that topic, um, do you do all the work yourself or do you hire other contractors? And if so, how, what are that, what's that arrangement and how does that look? I definitely do most of the writing um, and most of the project management, but I have just a really solid group of contractors and experts that I reach out to. Um, and my approach with them is that, you know, we are peers in this sort of space and they are super, super talented. So when I bring somebody on board, it's usually because I know that they can get the work done at a very high level. And it's very, um, very, I guess you would say little management on my part, because I'm not really a person who's interested in managing teams to that degree. And that's why I call it more of a collective. Um, all of these folks could be hired on their own. So, uh, you know, I work right now with a great graphic designers, um, Taylor and Michelle. I have a great content second and someone who helps with a lot of client work named Kirsten. Um, and had a great digital ads person too. All of these people that sort of come my way are very high level. And so when I bring them in on one or two projects, I usually say, hey, this is what we have to do. Here's a direction and go run with that. Um, but they're all available to be hired on their own as well. That's cool. Something, sometimes it's really neat to be able to put together a strong team and just not worry about them and just know that like, no matter what, they're going to get it done and you're going to get it done. And, and that's really a, a, a cool way to work. So it's great that you've managed to work that out. Um, yeah. Anyway. A few tries though. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back at that first year in business, is there anything you wish you would have done differently or on the flip side, is there anything that you're particularly proud about? I had a little bit of this reflection process during August because that's my anniversary. And every August I send my clients a gift and I sort of make time to really think about where Dreamcatch has been and where it's going. Um, and one of the things I wish I would have done a lot sooner is um, I think really not be afraid to get a hold of my operations side of things um, and to actually hire people to help me out earlier in the game. It's really hard when you don't have a lot of money and you're just starting out and you think, gosh, I can't afford it. Um, but I'll tell you what, you can't afford to lose the time um, that you do trying to figure out some of these systems and trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. Um, I have a really strong accounting partner now, and that has really changed things for me. They were able to look at my books and say, hey, you know, you should really file as an S-Corp, um, or you should really look at this and that. And being able to, like, ping them for things has been invaluable. Um, something else that was really surprising was how helpful a good um, VA could be. Uh, I sort of, I think, didn't really um, take that seriously enough. But when I found a very good VA and I was able to say, hey, can you take on these small things? And I wasn't worrying about it. My brain opened up to be able to really focus in on proposals, to send out pitches, to be able to do other things because I'm not sort of 
stuck in the little tiny details. Um, that being said, it is a, it's a huge mental jump. And I know that that's really hard for entrepreneurs. But looking back in that first year, I wish I would have at least um, gone probably around the six month mark, looked at my numbers and said, look, what accountant do I really need to come in at this point so that my books are solid by the end of the year and I'm ready to start, you know, for me it was 2018, the clean slate, everything that I needed with the coaching from a really strong accounting bookkeeping sort of end. Um, I also think that as soon as my sort of writing workload picked up, I wish I would have hired another um, contractor to help with that writing. I'm so precious about words. I was afraid to let go and to sort of let someone else um, do that. But wow, like having someone like Kirsten in my corner right now is so invaluable because she thinks of different ideas and we sort of edit things together or even just getting down a solid draft as a writer is so, so, so time saving. I love that. And so there's a couple things real quick. You said VA to everyone out there, virtual assistant is what she's talking about there. And also I'm so glad that you brought this topic up, the topic of um, not being afraid to invest in the right experts at the right time. It's something that Beth and I talk about all the time. And if you've been listening to the Kenza pod, you know that we mention this a lot. Um, and actually I just posted something on Instagram um, not too long ago, that is a quote from uh, Kirsten Smith, who is the accountant that we had on for a couple of episodes about um, just tax basics and things like that. And she gives a great analogy where she says, you know, we buy a car without knowing how to fully fix it or run it or even do an oil change. And that's okay. And we hire experts to take care of that for us. And I think the same goes for starting your own company, even if it's just, you know, you're a solopreneur. Um, you know, you don't, you're not going to know everything. And if you're stingy with hiring experts to help you along your way, it's going to come back and bite you and you will leave money on the table. Um, and you'll learn and, you know, it just kind of is a matter of how long will it take you to learn and how much money will be left on the table at that point in time. So it's just something that we really um, encourage people to do. You know, you might see like, oh, to talk to this accountant for an hour is going to cost me $300 and that could feel really painful. But how much money are they going to save you in the long run? And how much are you going to learn if you come prepared to that hour? It's a lot, you know. So I'm, I'm just really glad that you brought that up so we could um, bring that point home again. <laughs> Yeah, I also think it's important as we um, here at the Kenza Collective, we like to encourage um, small businesses to work with each other. So that's also part of it. I mean, we're all in the same place. Somebody might be an accountant and somebody else might be in marketing, but really we're all in the same world together. So we're all trying to help each other with the skills that we bring to the table. We are. And I, I think that, um, you know, even so there's the high level expertise of booking giving accounting. And then there's also um, this other layer of expertise that, again, I just don't think I valued enough, which was that virtual assistant sort of thing. Um, but I'll tell you, like, I have a really good person. She's from my reliable admin. Shout out to Whitney. Um, she cleaned up my inbox like a boss. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? She folded me up and got me all sort of like cleaned up and got my head on straight. Um, and so, now, there's a lot to be said about people who are really good at organizing. A lot of people who are, you know, they're just really good at sort of keeping you on track in different ways that are very proactive. So whether it's, you know, that very high level stuff that you need, even a business coach, right? It's like, wow, you know, I took so many of these um, sorts of uh, 
maybe like online classes of things before, you know, I had Elna Kane's writing course and I paid money for that because I didn't know how to make money as a writer. And you sometimes have to pay for someone else's knowledge. Um, I also did a lot of great coaching with Emily at being boss and wow, you know, having somebody as a coach really gives you really, really clear perspective, especially someone who's way ahead of you on their entrepreneurial journey. They could literally be sitting at the mountaintop looking down on you and saying, oh my gosh, you know, look at you. You're just running around in circles. Here's what you need to do. Go in that direction. So it's, it's really great. And I encourage people, don't be afraid to, um, it sounds cheesy, but invest in yourself and really believe that you are going to, um, pay it back to yourself in dividends. That's what I told myself. I'm like, Hey, I better make at least as much money as I paid for this damn thing or else I'm going to be very, very upset. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I've actually been kind of experimenting with some business coaching lately and kind of, she's been really just getting started in this, um, freelancing world and she has a potential first client and I've been kind of walking her through how to handle it. And the, and the work is to build a website, um, you know, off of a template and help them with some messaging and copywriting and kind of help them kind of take their business to the next level. And, um, so I've been coaching her through how to write a proposal and how to propose the proposal and what happens next and what the process should be and all that kind of stuff. And she said to me, um, she goes, you just taught me in an hour long phone call, what would have taken me years to figure out the hard way. And I'm not saying that to like toot my own horn. I'm saying that because that's what help can get you is that, yeah, it's an investment. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there. There's a lot of freelancers. If you want to get ahead in the game, be the smart one that invests in yourself and your business in the right ways at the right time to not have to learn the hard way for two years and figure it out the hard way. Like someone else knows how to do this. Just listen, you know, and take it and run with it. So anyway. Yeah, I love that. It, you know, and the other thing is, if you're an entrepreneur, you better get some entrepreneur friends. I'm going to tell you, you will not make it if you're surrounded by all your nine to five buddies because they don't get it. But like, that's one of the reasons that Tiff and I really clicked is because, you know, she has this entrepreneurial spirit. So do I. And let me tell you, she helped me really clean up my, um, Tiffany, you really helped me clean up my proposal process. <laughs> I wasn't for a whole entire layer of work. Um, that I was just doing and sort of eating the cost. And if it weren't for, you know, my entrepreneurial best friend here, my one of my BFFs, um, then I would have still been sort of slogging through the process. And so I do think it's really important to invest in experts, but also surround yourself with a really good tribe of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Amen to that. That's, yeah. Right. It's going to get us there. It's creating so, that tribe. Exactly. So let's shift gears and let's get, let's get down and dirty here and talk about your mama. How old are your girls now? My girls are six and I have a three-year-old who's going on 30. <laughs> okay. So a six-year-old and a three slash 30-year-old and your husband also works full-time now remote um, there's a pandemic, you're managing distance learning. I think you now have some part-time childcare and you're running a business. So talk to us about your day to day and, uh, kind of what that's like and give some encouragement to our parents out there who 
maybe stepping into that world or considering stepping into that world or who are in that world and drowning, what are some strategies you've put in place to help move through this crazy time? Well, I think my number one strategy that I have during this time is not to give up and to keep asking and researching um, different things to try that will work for our family. Um, I think it's really easy right now to feel overwhelmed, uh, to really just be tired. <laughs> I don't think you cuss on this podcast, but <laughs> you get very tired. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm teaching myself and to remember is to take a lot of those entrepreneurial skills and continue to carrying them over into parenting. Um, you always have to research, you have to test and try things, you have to figure out and expect that things are not going to go well, and you have to be okay with that. Um, and I think that once you get in that mindset and realize this is something that you have to carry over to all aspects of your life, it makes it a lot easier. Something that I'm doing right now, which is pretty tough, but we're trying to really make sure that we stick to a schedule. And when I say schedule, I don't mean that we wake up at the same time every day or even do everything at the same time every day. What I mean is at least putting anchors into our day that the kids know this is what's gonna happen when. So when we wake up in the morning, first thing we do is eat some breakfast and you have to get dressed. We don't really start doing a ton of play and other free time for them until they get those two things out of the way. Um, and then our sort of part-time support um, comes in not till later in the morning, so probably like around 9.30 or 10. Um, is when she comes in and we try to have everything ready for um, this person to help us out because it's only a few hours in the day, precious hours in the day. So that means the kids need to be ready for learning. You know, that means their desk needs to be clear. Everything sort of needs to be squared away. We have a plan of what they're going to eat or make themselves um, with their person for the day for lunch. Um, really empowering kids is something that I'm a big fan of, especially as they get older. Giving them things to do gives them greater purpose. Um, and I don't mean like in the mean way, but also like just really understanding that as human beings, we crave belonging, we crave purpose. And the more that we can do that for our children, I think it really changes their mindset. So really trying to figure out that sweet spot and then understanding, you know, I have a three-year-old who's a, has really big feelings, we call them, right? And that just equates to a tantrum at least three or four times a day that we're working through. And I'm always having to research, how do I, how do I tackle this? What do I do to support my daughters, both of them, through their big feelings? Because Eleanor is the most expressive, but Selena um, is six years old, and she's certainly going through her own emotions, understanding what's happening with coronavirus, with not having her peers around her as much as possible, like as it was in, in the um, beginning before all this happened of the year. Um, but also just really understanding, you know, what is distance learning and how are those frustrations for her and how do I manage those? Um, before I could sort of close on this topic for me, the one thing that I wanted to add was we actually made the decision to do homeschooling this year as opposed to the traditional distance learning that's now falling into place. Um, and that was a really hard decision, but it was really important because I knew my daughter uh, just wasn't going to be able to do Zooms for three hours a day. You know, she's six years old. We tried it over the summer with like a math class. And right away, I understood this is not her best way of learning and she's going to get frustrated. So we switched to homeschooling, which means that we're really in charge of um, making sure she reaches certain milestones and spending that extra time 
to help her develop in her reading and all of her math and things like that, making it fun. We're doing a lot of outdoor math right now. And so that's good. We live in Cali. So there's a lot of good weather. Um, but I think, you know, at some point you just have to do what's best for your family. You know, there's never going to be a right or a wrong answer, especially during times um, of pandemics. Like everyone's going to do whatever they think is best. And that's totally cool for us. What ends up being best is doing like a homeschool thing because we can roll with our changes at home. I really can't deal with the schools opening and closing and then not knowing what to do for childcare. It was just a lot for us. Oh my gosh, Teresa, we need to have you on for like a parenting philosophy podcast episode. (laughs) Every time you talk about parenting, I'm always just like, I got my popcorn. I'm just soaking it in. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tell me, tell me. Um, So thank you for sharing all that. Let's, let's keep on that same vein real quick. So you have a couple hours, precious, precious hours of childcare. And then I imagine you sort of juggle with chance, chances or husband. What do you do in terms of your business to make sure that you're getting everything you need to get done during your precious time? How do you set yourself up for success there? One thing that I really took to heart that you shared with me was the way that you map out your week and you really allot the certain amount of time um, that you know that you have down to the hour. I took that very seriously when you shared that with me because um, time is precious and I don't, you know, have the luxury to scroll around on the internet, um, reading all the blogs that I love to read. So one thing that I always do is I make sure I use, um, project management software and I make sure that every day I have my daily tasks and, and the whole week is almost mapped out. So I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if things slide, you know, between those days, that's totally fine. But I always know what I'm doing because I have it mapped out. I'm pretty much on Sundays and Mondays. I'm saying, okay, what's the week ahead of me? And I look at my calendar um, and I make sure that I understand where my meetings are. Um, I blocked off a lot of time just knowing that I don't have the availability that I used to. And so I use a really great tool, probably Uh, Most people know about Calendly. There are a lot of different versions of this, but like don't waste time, you know, scheduling appointments with your clients going back and forth. Just send them your calendar link. Make sure you block out your true availability there because you have kids and it's just a different lifestyle. Um, I think that has really helped. You know, really having clarity with your partner, I think is really important for me. It's my husband. Us really understanding and making sure um, that I make it clear that, hey, you know, I we want to support each other in our work. But just because I'm an entrepreneur doesn't mean that I have limitless time. It actually means I'm more protective of my time because I don't have, again, that sort of safety net that someone's going to give me a paycheck. You know, I have a another entrepreneur friend that says, you know, you eat what you hunt, you know, so you, you really have to make sure that you go out there and you get um, the most that you can out of those hours. And so that's been very helpful. And then again, just knowing when to get sort of the, those other resources for support, having that admin and being able to hand off certain tasks to her has been really, really valuable. So I don't waste my time on the piddly little tiny things. Instead, I'm very focused, you know, and I am, I'm ready to kind of dive into the work. Also being super firm with clients and letting them know, Hey, you know, this is my true availability. Oh, you know, it's totally fine that you missed a deadline. This is how it impacts the project. You know, we're, we're, we're now kind of moving things out two days because I didn't get your content for, you know, an extra two days. And so I think 
really um, taking that approach and being okay with it. You're not mean, but just understanding that because your time is so precious as a parent and an entrepreneur, you don't have the luxury to do um, fire alarms for clients who send you, you know, things late. You just, you don't have that. And so it's really important to be flexible and to be there for the client, but to also let them know what you need. And what you need is for them to be committed to your timelines, your deadlines, and to payment, <laughs> and to payment. And I think that really does a world of good. Oh, Teresa. You are oh. so good. I'm just like, uh-huh. I'm nodding away over here. Like, yes, preach, go preach. Yes. I love yes. it. Yes. Amen. Uh, Amen. Two uh, quick little supportive, um, like pieces of content that can help with that. So, um, a lot of what Teresa just shared, her and I think very similarly about how to run all of this. Cause we're both, you know, project managers, also kids, blah, blah, blah. Um, so episode eight of the Kenza pod is a 20 minute episode, three productivity tips for freelancing parents. And it just gives some of the strategies that I had in place when running a super busy design agency. And Teresa kind of just covered them just now. Um, and, and one of the biggest tips that I share is being ready. So as soon as you have that moment of time, maybe it's even unexpected. Like maybe your partner says, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take the kids down to the park. And you're like, Holy shit. I got an hour. You know, like knowing exactly what you need to do, sit down and do is just so crucial. Um, and the other uh, thing that can help you is our capacity planning tool, totally free 25 minute uh, mini course that walks you through what Teresa was talking about, about mapping out your time, the actual, the actual time you have each week to work um, and putting that against the projects that you're committed to or what's coming down the road. And so you can see a lull coming. Um, you can go out and get more work or if you, you know, unless you want that lull to happen for a vacation, um, you can see weeks where you're totally overbooked and you either need to shift things around or get extra support, all of that kind of stuff. So those are a couple of tools that we have um, here at Kenza to help support you as you try to manage your time your very limited, very precious time. I also just want to add one tiny thing and that is to track your time. Um, that yeah. was something I didn't do enough, but now I'm religious about it. I use harvest. I track my time and you know, what was really eye opening to me was again, that sort of value of my time. You know, I quickly realized I was spending anywhere from eight to 10, actually eight to 12 hours a month, just trying to do invoicing and paying contractors. Wow. With that, oh my gosh. You know, like my hourly and I realized how much time I was losing and money I was losing. I got, you know what? There's no way that it's going to take anyone else this long. There has to be a better way. I have a great entrepreneurial uncle on my husband's side. And he was just like, you know what? You needed to go, go hire somebody. You need to do this, this and that. And he was just, great. He was, you know, you're not going to regret it. And I was like, okay, this man knows, right? He ran like an entire um, a music store for many, many years. Again, talking just to more entrepreneurs, they're going to set you straight. They're going to help you. So track your time, make sure you understand the value of your time. And once you start to see that there's a time suck, really understand whether or not it's worth it for you. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for making that extra point. That is, that is, wow. What an eye opener to see that that's how much time you were spending on that stuff. I mean, rightfully so you, you're making a lot of money. You have a lot of clients, you got a lot of plates spinning, but I'm so glad that you did that and were able to sort of pivot quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm getting down to maybe <clears throat> one hour a month 
So it's really nice. And that's really just me going through and telling people, hey, it's time for us to do this. It's time for us to do that. Um, but setting up the systems, wow. What are some words of wisdom and encouragement? I know you've been doing this the whole podcast, but if you had any other um, words of wisdom and encouragement for our listeners out there who may be thinking about taking this leap, whether by choice or by circumstance, what would you want them to know about running a client serving, client serving marketing and communications business right now? Is there anything that's different about right now um, in, the, in the industry that you're in um, being seeing that there's a pandemic or uh, are the themes all going to be pretty much consistent um, in that industry? You know, I think in the marketing communication space, people are really starting to understand the value and the importance of a good, strong communications um, approach. And I think also, you know, the event industry has taken such a hit that everybody is really trying to look at how do we reach people online. And so I think there's a lot of potential for people to jump into this industry and to make your way. Um, I could share a couple of things. I think the first thing is to realize like you can do this. Yeah. That's like number one. Yeah. You can, and you should. You can and you should, and you have to, you have to believe you can do this. Like, because no one else is going to believe in you the way that like, like you do, you know, so you have to like be totally, totally just like committed to nurturing yourself and just saying like, I can do this. And really like for me, it's daily affirmations. Like I have to get myself in a really good headspace every day as an entrepreneur, your sort of mental health is surprisingly like so crucial to your success in your business. If you are not strong mentally and physically, you cannot run your business. And so it's like, I, I can't even tell you how important it is to have a very strong mental state going into this because you're going to take hit after hit after hit. But if you tell yourself, I can take this and more, you really can. Um, and you just realize I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep learning. This is not going to stop me. I'm just going to keep going and the right thing will come to me. Um, a lot of like a mantra that I tell myself every day just about is um, the right clients and the right people will come to me. They will come to me. I'm going to do everything I can and take those actionable steps so that people know I'm available for work. But I also have to know and believe that's going to happen. I think something else to really understand um, during this time is your client relationships are so important. Gosh, you know, treat them with respect, um, express appreciation, understand and know that they can hire anybody that they want to, but they choose to hire you. So like, because of that, express gratitude to them. Like, I'm not saying that you have to, you know, basically do whatever they say or let them treat you bad, but gosh, you know, tell them, you know, thank you again for the opportunity for us to partner together. Let them know what you enjoy about the project. Shoot. I do client surveys at the end of every project. I want to know what I did right. I want to know what I did wrong. I always try to make sure that um, the clients know that I'm very concerned about their, you know, sort of success um, and that I'm here to help them with that. And I think when you treat people with that sort of respect, it changes a relationship, right? Like I'm not a transactional person. I'm not one in and one out. You know, anybody who wants to work with me, I tell them like, I'm here for the long haul. If you want somebody who's just here for a one-off, I'm not your girl. You know, you can, I can refer you to somebody else, but I think the client relationship ends up being what sustains me. I have clients that have been with me for three years since the day I opened my doors. And anytime that, um, you know, they can, they refer business to me. So I think that's something else 
that's super important is just, you know, really treating that client relationship with respect and also, you know, really valuing yourself, valuing your time, valuing what you have to offer this world, understanding that just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Just because somebody didn't make money doing it doesn't mean that you won't make money doing it. It just means it didn't work for that person and that's okay. But you need to go out there and try to do your thing. You know, like you stay focused on what, who you are and what you want to do. You know, there was no sort of um, demand for social justice uh, and marketing and communications, you know, that was really, um, really strong when I first got into this in 2017. Look at what's happening right now. Look at what's happening to our world and how people are really starting to expand and understand, wow, justice in our society matters. It matters. And that was just not something that was like a sort of business pivot. That was my true value. And so now I feel like I'm in a space where people get my work a little bit more and understand. But I say that just to encourage all of your entrepreneurs listening, you find your lane and you go for it. Yeah, that girl. Is, yeah, that is so oh. great. And also, what, what I was also hearing in what you were saying about how you treat your clients is um, that opens the door to a lot of word of mouth referrals. So, you know, clients have a good experience with you and they're going to say to their friend, oh, I got somebody. Um, so. I don't spend any money on advertising. I don't spend any money. Not to say that I won't because obviously I believe, <laughs> I mean, this is my industry. I believe that it works. But I have been so fortunate. I just get a lot of word of mouth people. But it's because of that client relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, as you guys have heard me mention before, we're, we'll be putting out a course about kind of all, everything that kind of Teresa has been talking about and, and kind of just summed up there. Just And one of the main themes is the importance of managing, maintaining, building, and nurturing your client relationship. And, it, and I think we've come to the same conclusion sort of separately, Teresa, is that this whole thing is it's all about relationships and it's all about the client relationship and what your role is. And your role is to be the expert who leads and guides them. Your role is to be um, setting boundaries and sticking to those boundaries and making them healthy, good boundaries and setting clear expectations and just really um, treating them, like you said, with respect, just like any other relationship in your life. That's how the client relationship is too. And what I have found is that when you're working with a client who is not on the same page of you of, of those types of values, then they're not the right client and, and your job is to move away from them. And that is, I think that's the loving thing to do because now you have a slot open for someone who should be working with you and is your right fit. And now they can go find someone else that they maybe, you know, can do whatever they want to do with, you know? So I'm just really glad that you brought up that really at the core of freelancing and making this work, both for your clients, but also for your own personal self is to be maintaining a healthy client relationship and working with the right clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that whole entire sort of mindset, I think if you've been working in-house a long time at a traditional job, it's going to be a leap because you're so used to someone else telling you, Hey, this is what I want. And you do it. And you could fall into that trap so easily. And Tiff and I, and I have like talked about this so much. And you have to understand that when you're at least running a consultancy and you're doing this work, people do hire you to be the expert. So you have to trust that you're leading the way. And if they don't want to follow, that's totally cool. 
I've had clients, you know, that are like that or that really just sort of pick apart proposals or just sort of undermine what I'm trying to do in terms of providing value to them. And, you know, you let that one go, you know, that, and I think that that's okay too. But the more that you go into this journey, understanding who you are, what your goal is, what you feel like you're going to contribute to this world through your skills and you value that and you nurture relationships, I think there's, there's no way that you won't be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think those are great words to wrap up on. I feel like we could just go on and on and I have like nine podcast episodes that I want to do with you that spun off of like amazing little sound bites. Oh, yeah. Of our interview. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to drill down more into some of the different aspects of marketing communications sometime okay. later. Oh, yeah. So, yep, but again, You are definitely going to be back if you will let us steal some of your precious time again. <laughs> of, course, of course. Thank you so much. Like, I love talking with you both. This is such a great um, sort of endeavor that you're on. And I'm really excited for other entrepreneurs and parents to just join in and really sort of um, enjoy the community and all the knowledge that you're sharing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you can find Teresa's website at dreamcatchconsulting.com. And uh, also be sure to follow Kenza at Kenza Collective on Instagram and Twitter um, to stay up to date with everything that we have coming out. Visit our website, KenzaCollective.com, sign up for our newsletter and find helpful resources to guide you on your journey. Um, We publish podcast episodes weekly. So hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you never miss one. And if you have a request for our So You Want to Be a Podcast series or a request for us to, like we talked about, drill down into any more specifics with Teresa or anyone else you hear from, please let us know. We're always down to um, try and make that happen for you. Teresa, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your guidance today. Oh, this is, I'm so excited to um, get this episode out there. Gracias. Thank you to you both. I really appreciate it. We'll talk more soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. Take care.